So welcome to the Intern Whisper Live, the show all about the future of work. Coming up on this episode of the Intern Whisper Live, Melanie Lock, Melanie Hawk, I'm sorry, as our guest. Reminder, listeners, you can call us live on the air, not really, because we are pre-recording this show. And you can also chat with us through our Facebook chat. Tell us what you like about our show. How do you find us? You can find Intern Pursuit on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and on any of these great podcast channels, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And you can also play our game. We've got an Intern Pursuit game. And you can learn all about how those interns go through the universe and tackle the aliens out there. And you can find our game on Twitter and also on Facebook and soon to be on Steam. You can watch our show on Facebook. And when we get back in the studio, we'll probably be doing live or once I figure it out. And then you can also call us there in the studio. In the meantime, we're gonna take a moment here just to do a patron announcement. Cat5 Studios is a video and game production company that spends training and marketing games and videos for your business or nonprofit. Serious games to develop employee skills, videos, and onboarding, or onboarding. And 2D games and videos for marketing use on your social channels and website. Want to know more? Visit cat5studios.com and thank you Cat5 Studios for being a patron of the Interim Whisperer. Intern Pursuit News, students, if you want to work with great employers or with Intern Pursuit, go to our website to sign up and create your profile. Same applies for employers. All types and sizes are invited to be part of our early adopter program. Use this code, Intern Pursuit Early Adopter, to sign up for special pricing and learn how to manage your interns effectively. Contact us at info at internpursuit.tech for more information. And if you want to play our game, go to internpursuit.games to check it out. So welcome, Milani, to the Intern Whisper Live. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Likewise. I'm really excited. So we met back in North Carolina at the Women in Power X with Alexa Carlin as the uh, head of all of that organization. And I just yes. really loved the whole conference. And that's really where I met you. And I was just so jazzed by all of your energy and how bubbly and personable you were. And I just went, okay. And I wanted to learn more about your business. So that's why I invited you to be a guest on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It really is such a great conference. I, I really love the Wimpower X uh, conferences. They do a great job. Yep. Yep. And so why don't you tell our listeners, because our show's about internships, and they usually, students don't know a lot about industries, they don't know really a lot about different types of jobs they're exploring, but for the employers that are always listening, our other customers, um, tell us what Airbnb, your take on why not Airbnb? Oh, wow. Let's just jump right in. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. I, so, um, a little bit of ba my background, is it okay if I, I, I love that oh, the, yeah. the topic of intern is, is that okay? I, yeah, because I really we'll go like backwards. That, um, <laughs> that, um, that, so I, I don't get to talk about this part of my life very much. So I, I think that that's why I'm like, oh wait, I don't want to skip that. Yes. So, um, I love what you said about, you know, so many, you know, at, at this, when you're in college or whatever, and you're trying to figure out an internship, I remember being like, ah, 
I don't know. I know there's options out there, but like this one seems easiest. And so for me, I even, um, I, I, I studied, I went through like five different majors. I was one of those that just kept on choosing a different major and loved school. And, um, but also wanted to finish school because I was like, okay, which one's the next shortest one that I actually enjoy. Um, and so I actually, I, I grabbed in history teaching. And, um, so obviously for an internship for that, I was a student teacher. Um, and because I knew that I, I, I really enjoyed working with youth and I enjoyed history. So, okay, let's give that a shot. But looking back, that was never really my passion. It was just, it seemed like one of the easiest internships, one of the easiest paths to take. Um, so I quickly realized I am not a good enough person to be a teacher. I love oh. teachers. So grateful for amazing teachers, but I did not have the, the, whatever we'll say fill in the blank there's so many i'm going to tell you it takes a lot of patience i was a public classroom teacher i taught middle and high school and i'm going to tell you it's like that was the hardest thing you know i thought i had ever done but it really wasn't but i'm going to tell you they will put you through the emotional ringer that's a good way to say it the emotional ringer because i really at the time i was single and i was like someday i want a family of my own but I was so invested in my students that I didn't have time for yes. a social life. I didn't have time, let alone yes. if I was ever going to have kids to worry about my kids because good teachers really do. They make those, those hundred students or whatever they have their own. And I wanted to be a great teacher, but I, I realized to be the kind of teacher I wanted, it was going to take sacrifices that people mm -hmm. don't give that credit to teachers, but I love, love, love amazing teachers, especially during crazy Corona. So, um, so, but I quickly realized, you know, that's not my thing. I went and served a, um, a mission, um, a church mission for 18 months for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in um, downtown Philadelphia in some of the, some of the rougher streets, we'll say, um, yeah. and had an amazing time. I worked with a lot of um, Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, and I worked with um, a lot of that I decided to get my master's in international development of education and business. And, um, and it was like this whole new world of, I had always, you know, known about the basics, but, and I knew that like, you could go do other things to help save the mm -hmm. world, but I didn't like, how do you make money? Is it really a real job? You know, right. do I join the Peace Corps? What's going on? Right. Um, and so, um, for, for when it became time to do an internship for that and write my thesis, I want um, successful nonprofits to figure out what was making them successful. And so for my internship, I went and I worked, lived in New York and worked at the UN for a little bit at the United Nations, which oh was my gosh. an amazing experience. But then I also actually went over to Africa to Kenya. And yeah, it was super awesome. Eye-opening. I worked in um, Ghana and Kenya at um and, and that focus was analyzing different nonprofits up close. I, I analyzed some orphanages. I analyzed some water projects. I really, my focus was on microcredit projects, which for, if you're not. Um, oh, I do. Know it, that is. My church um, did A lending that. program. Do you, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. so, so amazing. It's amazing to get involved in. Um, but you have these small, they're called microcredit because they're small loans to us. You yeah. Know, when I'm flipping houses, Sometimes I get hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans um, for these African women. And it was really focused on the women because that's who is their main workforce in, in, in the parts of Africa I was. So it's these micro loans, $50, $20. Yeah. 
a hundred dollars that would change the lives and for this, for these women, but also for their families, for their villages. Like it was just a game changer. And so that's my real passion. And maybe I'll send you a picture of that because it, it was just eye opening to me of how much this little amount of money could do for mm -hmm. each of these women and their families. And so I just fell in love with international development and especially working with women um, to, to change the lives of their families. So I, I became really passionate about that. Um, I came home and I met my amazing husband and, um, and then we had these big goals. We had big goals of, you know, starting our own nonprofit and flipping houses and being real estate investors and all of these big goals. And we wanted a big family, you know, all these big goals. Well, um, the good news is, is we were really good at one of them. We were really good at having the big family. <laughs> and so we have five kids, Holy cow. Um, but as each of those kids, <laughs> as each of those kids entered our family, I really felt like more responsibility to get a stable job, a responsible right. job. And which is, is not bad, but for me, there was an entrepreneur spirit inside of me. And I wanted to be helping women internationally, locally start businesses. And there was this entrepreneur inside of me that kept on getting put down, not put down, but like suffocated. I don't know the right word to say it, but yeah. because I wanted to provide a stable job for my kids. Um, and then, um, when my fourth child, so my fourth child was seven weeks old. So I had this newborn baby. My third child was diagnosed with brain cancer on his second birthday. Oh my goodness. And that was my game changer. That was at that point, both me and my husband, we were working stable corporate America jobs, nine to five basic um, sales jobs. Um, but I remember very distinctly sitting at the breakfast table with my husband and I just said, I just can't sit around and wait for him to die anymore because I felt like that's what we were doing. We like, my son was very sick. We were doing radiation treatments. We were traveling for different treatments down to Florida from North Carolina. And I felt like I had lost all control. And meanwhile, a month after my son was diagnosed, that responsible job that I had, they moved their headquarters to California and left me without a job. Oh. So that responsible job that I had been so dependent on of Oh, well, I'm going to be loyal to them. And so that I, you know, can move up the ranks. Well, they moved to California and left, you know, the whole North Carolina office. Um, and it was at that point that I was like, what, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so I, that day that I asked my, I, that I told my husband, I couldn't just sit around anymore was the day that we decided, okay, what about all those dreams that we had when we were first married and dating? Like we should like, maybe do one of those other than the big family thing. Like, what if we actually did that? Like, what if we crazy actually followed our dreams? And that mm -hmm. became my passion is to getting people to stop talking about their dreams and stop dreaming and actually start doing. And so it would take years, but that's what I actually do now is that, that mantra of stop dreaming, start doing. And that's where the why not me Academy ties in. Um, but ah. around this time of cancer, um, I, a lot of people were saying, why, you know, do you just sit and think, why me? Why, like, why our family? Why do we have to go through this? Now, I don't want to offend anybody's beliefs, so I, I hope I don't. But for me, we believe in a higher power. We believe that God, uh, had something bigger planned for us than we currently could have done. And so we believe instead of saying, why me in our family, we try to say, why not me? 
why not us? Because we believe that God has something greater that he wants us to do. And he has to give us these trials so that we can be triumphant. And so that path of turning those trials into triumph is really my passion. One of my passions, mm-hmm. I guess I keep saying I'm passionate. Me too. Me too. Things. I am with um, you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but so that's where the why not me comes from. And then that's how it ties into getting people to stop dreaming and start doing. So going back to, um, that's when I started flipping houses. I started my own business. My husband stayed in corporate America. I hired some other stay at home moms to help be my designer and to be my general contractors. And I, I, I just ran my own house flipping business. You know, I didn't even have HGTV, but people kept on saying, Oh, you, you're just like Chip and Joanna. I was like, I don't know who you're talking about, but okay. You know, and it was when Chip and Joanna were just getting big. Um, But yeah, so we had a great time flipping houses and um, making good money. The market was great. We were putting houses on the market and within three days we had multiple offers over asking price. Like it was a great time. It was fabulous. Um, But then fast forward a a few years. uh, and now I, I know I'm digressing from the intern part and I hope that's okay. That's okay. So it's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> bring, bring me back. I hope that all these stories are okay. Um, but uh, so after years of flipping houses and to flip houses and to really get to the level that we wanted to be at, you know, of doing 15 to 20 house flips a year, well, you have to, you, I, we didn't have millions sitting around to go and build these houses and whatever. So we had to borrow money. And at one point we had borrowed about, you know, some people, for some investors, this isn't a lot, but for me it was a 10, but we had, we had leveraged about $5 million and $5 million with five kids. We were living the high life. Like I was winning awards, like we were doing great, but it was around this time that we had a few things pop up with our, uh, flipping is another word for rehabbing, right? So our rehab. Um, uh, a few different issues come up. We had a couple lawsuits with different um, contractors. We had on two different properties, one of which was directly on our, our driveway, drive-by shootings on our property. Oh no. And it was the week that that property was supposed to go on the market. And uh, it, obviously we didn't sell it. In fact, we had a buy- interested buyer and they were no longer interested um, because on the front porch, like a, a, a memorial to this person grew on our property because oh, wow. of drive-by shooting and we, we couldn't do anything about it. So just all of a sudden, I felt like I was back in that place of, I just can't sit around anymore. Like, I just, I just can't sit around. Like everything was going out of my control. I felt like, and along with the lawsuits came that I wasn't, a, a, I think it was six of our properties we couldn't do anything with them because they were in the lawsuits and we couldn't, I couldn't hire another yeah, contractor there was a because I wasn't allowed to because yeah. they were in the lawsuit. There was a yeah. freeze. There was, yeah, there was a freeze. There was a hold on it. And so that when I have millions of dollars that I've borrowed and I'm paying interest for six, seven, eight extra months than I thought I was going to, all of a sudden I, I, I got what I call an ambition hangover. Okay. So I've never, I don't drink alcohol. I don't know what a real hangover feels like, but this is what I imagine it feeling like. Yeah. Because I had set a goal of doing this and doing it on a grand scale. And it got to the point that I, um, 
uh, had done so much that I was literally throwing up. I was so nauseous. I was so nauseous. And I remember cr being curled up in a ball in my closet when uh, my husband would come in and say, are you okay? And I, I couldn't even look at him because I was so not okay because I felt like it was almost like I had been selfish in following my dreams to get my family into this much debt. And we couldn't even like, we couldn't even sell the houses. We couldn't do anything. And I just felt trapped. And it was around this time that it was Christmas and um, my oldest who I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question though, because you have five children. Yeah. The, the one that had cancer, he, he came through, right? Yes. Thank you for asking. Okay. He, is, he is doing amazing. It's been almost six years and he is doing awesome, awesome, awesome. So yes, okay. thank you for asking. Sometimes I forget to say that. Um, he is a miracle and we are grateful for every day we get with him. So yeah. Thank you Very to nice. amazing cancer research. I think sometimes we think, I don't know, for me, when people are like, oh yes, I'd like to, uh, you know, we're going to cure cancer. I'm kind of like, yeah. And I want a unicorn. Like are, is that really a thing? It really is a thing because 10 years ago, my son would have had a 10% chance. And then five years ago, he would have had a 60% chance. And now they're saying he has a 97% chance of surviving. Wow. Cancer. So yeah. just in the last 10 years, the amazing research that has been done is amazing. So yeah, yes. my mom had cancer also. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, she went through it for 10 years. She was a fighter. So really? Yeah, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. She wasn't going out without a fight and she, she was 10 years without it. So, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot wow. though. Yeah. But anyway, wow. back to the story here. So, yeah. So, um, I remember it was at Christmas time and it was right in the height of everything. Like I, we just, as a family, we were fasting, we were praying, we were, please let us sell. It went from like, let's sell all the houses to just pleading, please just let us sell one so that we know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And for anybody that's listening to this, that has the goal of being an entrepreneur, it's okay to have those moments of scary. I don't know if I should go on and maybe I'll talk about that in a little bit more in just a minute. But, um, so in these times, Oh, I, I, I remember taking my oldest son to the bus stop and he understands the magic of Christmas. And he said, I, I was kind of joking with him. And I said, I didn't see your letter to Santa Claus. And he kind of looked down. He's like, oh, mom. And I said, well, what, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want? And he looked down at his feet. He said, mom, it, it's okay. And I said, what? And he said, I only want one thing. And I said, I only asked for one thing. And I said, what was that? And he said, I just asked for you to be able to sell one of your houses. Oh man, that would be a tearjerker, right? Oh my gosh. And we were like pulling up to the bus stop and I was like, okay, have a good day. Like, yeah. <laughs> I sent him off to school and it's like, okay. And knowing, you know, I've been in real estate for a long time, knowing that December isn't exactly hot market season and we were two weeks mm -hmm. from Christmas, like, oh, how am I going to let down my son? I, and I felt like I had left, let down my family because of the, of the point we were at now with so much invested. Like we had, we had so much leveraged we'll say mm -hmm. and so i remember on christmas eve now we have five kids so we have enough kids to go and like play any sport we want at any time right so we were out playing on on every christmas week we go and play sports and we were out playing football with the kids and i got a text and i i immediately started crying and one of the biggest parts of why we weren't selling these houses was because of a contractor that had brought a lawsuit against us and um and so my, my big tough 
son, who's really not that old, comes over and he said, mom, is it? And said the contractor's name. Is it? And I, and I laughed because you could tell that he knew that when I, when mommy cries, it was often because of this man. And um, I said, no, honey, it's not actually. Now this was on Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Said, it's, it's not actually, honey. I said, you just got your Christmas wish. We just sold a house. On Christmas Eve, we sold a house and it was just an amazing miracle, a Christmas miracle. Um, yeah. that, um, but I, I vowed at that time that I would be much, much smarter before I took out any more loans, leveraged any more money. And I had not been as careful. I mean, I, I just had gotten so big and things were just on autopilot that I had gotten maybe a little bit too, I got a little bit arrogant and confident in our investments. And this mm. was definitely a humbling, humbling season of our lives. Mm. And so on that Christmas Eve, I thought I'm never going to do this again, but I knew I still wanted to be in real estate. I really still wanted to be in real estate. And if you're listening, let me make it clear that some people do great at rehabbing and we did great for a long time at rehabbing, but I realized I cannot do this ever again. And mm. so I still wanted to be in real estate, but I didn't want to rehab anymore. And there were other options out there but I realized that my, that what was the perfect fit for me was Airbnb hosting. And when I say Airbnb hosting, I had done a couple, at that point I had only had one Airbnb, but instead of when you're flipping houses and when you're rehabbing houses, you work on a project for four months, six months, 10 months, whatever it is. And then at the end you get this big check which is awesome. You celebrate, you're great. And then the next day you go out and you work on your next project. And once you get big enough that you have a system, maybe you'll have multiple projects, but no matter what, when you're done, you have to go find another project. Right. And with Airbnb, that was the complete opposite. Instead of for Airbnbs, I set up a property and at the beginning it cost me money for the furniture and for the sheets and yeah. the towels and um, staging is expensive. In a second, but so it's a little, yeah. Yeah. So you, it costs you some money up front, but then afterwards I was getting income every single month that I had this recurring stream of income that I became very uh, aware of. Okay. I know I'm going to be making this much every single month. Now don't get me wrong. Corona has thrown a little hitch in the plans, but we're so grateful that we are still making money with our Airbnbs. They are still 80% occupied and we've been doing very wow. well, not as well as we were before coronavirus. But if I had houses, if I had 15 houses right now that I was trying to sell, oh my gosh, I'd have another ambition hangover. I would be like, oh, yikes. So to be in real estate investing, there's lots of different avenues and I could list 12 different ways that you can get into real estate investing. But for me, Airbnb hosting was the perfect fit. When I was rehabbing houses, sometimes on Saturday mornings, I'd have to go out to a project and meet a contractor. I wasn't at my kids' soccer games, but I still wanted to be in real estate investing. Being an Airbnb host, I run almost everything from my phone. Um, and, and the other thing for me, now, if you don't know about this and you've ever thought about getting into real estate investing, this it might blow your mind. But some people are like, oh, that sounds so cool. When I have enough money to get a house, I'm totally going to do that. No. Yeah. Okay. That is great. But I actually don't recommend owning the house at first. I recommend using other people's property. And that's how I was able to scale so fast was because I wasn't buying. Remember, I didn't want to take out any more loans. And so right. at this point, when I really got into Airbnb was when I decided I don't want to take out any more loans, but I can sign a rental contract and put a special addendum on it to protect myself 
tell the landlord what I'm doing, but then I'm, I don't have to pay for the house and I can open two a month, four a month, five a month. So you can, you can scale your Airbnb business so much faster. And all you have to have usually is a first and last month's rent and then enough money to furnish it. So it's a whole different ball game to be able to get in and build your real estate, your cash, real estate cash flow. Um, instead of having to wait until you can save a security deposit. Uh, I mean, that's really interesting. A, you know what I mean? So it, you can scale a whole lot. Faster. Yeah. So is there anything, um, like I, I remember, uh, that there's some kind of a law, I'll say it's a law or a tax, uh, tax deduction. And you have to be careful with that kind of uh, stuff is what I understood. I really don't know Definitely. enough about it to speak, speak about it because you can own a place, yeah. but then when you turn around and you're renting it out, like how you would be doing, you're renting a house and then you're renting it out to somebody else. Is there anything, um, and you may not know, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, tax yeah. wise that you have to be careful about. Is that good question? Good question. There's, there's tax wise, but also just pure, um, like pro, like they don't, they don't allow it in some places. So you have to be smart about it. You have to look at the cities that are actually allowing it. Like in Raleigh, they recently passed something that you have to, you know, it, it could be a budget. So we won't just talk about Raleigh, but maybe you have to live in the house for six months out of the year. Maybe yeah, you have that's to live it. in the house all the time and you can rent out a room, you know, so there's all different things or, but sometimes people hear that and they're like, oh yeah, can't do it. No, mm. like figure out what the rules are for me, because I knew Raleigh had been talking about doing that for about five years. So I always knew, okay, so don't go in Raleigh. But my first few properties were right around Raleigh because I knew people wanted to visit Raleigh. And so just be smart about it and do your research of what cities allow it, which if you have an HOA, which HOAs allow it, um, try mm. to find properties that don't have HOAs. Um, or like in Asheville, um, you have to have a permit and I, I hate it. So I, I teach an online course and I coach people on how to uh, get into Airbnb investing and how to step-by-step -step go. And like, it makes me sad when some of my students are like, oh yeah, I looked and they, you have, they require a permit. And I'm like, okay. And, and they're yeah, like, well, so that, why is that a problem? Like, well, right? Look? Yeah. Like, why is that a problem? Well, I don't know. And I was like, how much does it cost? Well, I don't know. Well, let's look at, let, like, it's not going to be an easy, like, this is not a easy, I'm making millions of dollars. Like this is, you still have to do your research. You're starting a business, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and in that case, the permit was only a hundred dollars per year. So you just oh, wow. have to know your rules. You have to look at your regulations and it makes sense because, you know, the county or the city wants a piece of the action. So yes, pay your hundred dollars a year or whatever it is. So just look at ways that it still is a valid market. So, you know, that um, makes total so yeah, sense so that's because how I got into Airbnbs. It, it makes Go total ahead. sense because like you have to get a business license, you have to get permits for a business. So it's not really, I mean, they probably have to do that, but it's still just an additional expense and a hundred dollars is nothing. That's like so doable. I am inspired by this whole conversation because yes. I don't have a house. Yes. I don't own a house, but I'm going, <laughs> Okay, so I, I can do it with rentals. So that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, you can do it with rentals, and you know, um, some uh, to the point that like m my husband and I um, next year when our kids are a little bit older, we'd like to go and uh, travel the world together and take our kids out of school and homeschooling them and travel the world. And the idea that I can rent out my house and all of my houses, and then when I come 
back to the US for maybe a month, we can just pick which one of our Airbnbs we want to stay in for the month and then we'll go back out. You know, so there's just really so much potential um, with this style of living. Yeah. Um, I'm in. So, yeah. So, um, I'm down. <laughs> so then the Airbnbs. <laughs> so then the Airbnbs, and I, I want to be clear, I don't run a hundred Airbnbs. I don't, I don't have a ton because Airbnbs is not actually all my income, right? So this is just one stream of income. My goal is for my properties to be averaging $1,000 that I net $1,000 per month per property. Now that's according to my area. Now some areas you can do better than that. Some are worse than that. I wouldn't, I would not invest in any area that you don't hope to make at least $700 net per month. Um, but I know that I just want 10 to $15,000 per month coming from this stream of income. Okay. So as an investor, you've got to think, okay, what other streams of income do I have? And this is just one stream of income. So some people are like, well, are you going to go bigger? Are you going to go to 50? Are you going to go whatever? No, I like to be under 20 just to have that stream of income. And that is easily, easily manageable that I don't have to outs. I, I do outsource part of it, but I don't have to outsource all of it. And so mm -hmm. the numbers still make sense. But Airbnb is just one thing that I do. I still, you know, I'm a paid public speaker. I run my podcast. Um, so I, I go into train corporations and um, on how to um, effectively use their time. Um, so this is just, just, this is just one avenue, but it's been an awesome avenue that's been able to have my husband leave corporate America. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just, just some ideas of, it, it's such an easy way to get into real estate that, you know, sometimes when I tell a story, I talk about how, you know, in, during my ambition hangover that I had like set this goal of, I am going to climb that mountain right there. I can see it. And as soon as I was going to get to the top of the mountain of flipping houses, the view was going to be so amazing. It was going to be amazing. Um, and I finally, I had the courage that I had finally gotten to the base and it took my son being diagnosed with cancer for me to even get to the base of the mountain that I wanted to be on. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, then it, once I had the courage to start climbing the mountain, I started like, I had all the uh, you know, ambition, the energy, the adrenaline getting me to the top of the mountain of, I'm going to be an award-winning real estate investor. I'm going to be this, this, this. And I, I got up there and my husband likes to say that about this point when I was getting to the top and I was starting to see the view, but also wondering if the view was really what I thought it was going to be that an avalanche hit. And that oh, avalanche yeah. came in the form of lawsuits and drive-by shootings and um, sexual big harassment challenges. from the neighbors of people who were coming to try to buy our houses. Yeah, big challenges, right? Um, but when that avalanche happened, once I dug myself out, it was like, okay, what are my options? My options are to keep on going to the top. I don't know if the view was what I wanted. I could go back down, but I was so afraid that if I went back down the mountain, that I would be stuck at the bottom again and wouldn't have the courage to get back on a mountain again. Mm -hmm. But then I like to say that at that point, the, I noticed that the avalanche had fallen and like made a path or like a bridge over to another mountain. And as I looked over to that other mountain, it's almost like I saw a whole valley of mountains that had opened up that I didn't even know were there when I first just saw the mountain of flipping houses or real estate investing mm -hmm. through flipping houses. But what it wasn't until I got up that mountain that I saw all this, this beautiful valley of different mountains I could be on. And I love that that avalanche, I look back at that avalanche time of my life. And although it still made me nauseous for a long time to think about 
I, I'm almost grateful for it because it was the bridge to get me to where I am today. And so that I could go over and start doing Airbnbs and I could start my podcast and I could start all these other things would not have come if I wouldn't have at least gotten on the mountain. Very nice. Well, we're going to take a pause and do another patron announcement. Orlando Game Space helps companies keep up with the latest development, art design, marketing, business management skills. They facilitate connections to Central Florida's education and university professionals to offer expert guidance. Their website is orlandogamespace.com. Thank you, Orlando Game Space, for being a patron of The Intern Whisperer. Okay, so going back to our show, um, it's all about internships and remembering those that gave us a chance, but we also talk about the future of work and what you think it's going to look like 10 years out from now. So we're just going to piggyback right on what, where you left off there. So what do you think it's going to look like um, 10 years out from now? Because nobody was able to see coronavirus, right? Nobody saw that coming. So with that said, you know, how do you think this is going to impact your industry of either flipping or Airbnb or any of those types of things? What do you think? Yeah, it'll be really interesting just to see how hospitality in general um, is affected because so how long is it going to take for people to uh, travel at all? Now, for me, I, you know how I say I don't recommend starting with a house you own if, unless you already have it, but don't go and buy a house. Okay. One of my other things that I recommend is for your first property is to do it in a place that is not a vacation centric um, location. When I say that none of my properties, if you walk outside of any of my properties, you will not see a single palm tree. You will not see a beach. All of my properties are based around four things, airports, universities, hospitals, airports, universities, and hospitals. And oh my gosh, sorry. My brain's not doing well. But it was, it was something that's in entertainment, I'm going to guess. Well, no, it's not. It's, it's around where places where people are going to be still traveling for conferences. For oh, okay. Yeah. Convention centers, for, downtown um, areas. So not an entertainment venue. Yeah. Um, but if there's an airport, if there's a university, oh, if there's a hospital, a hospital is my other, because that was one of the reasons why we got into this was it was hard to travel with a family of seven for hospital visits. They, it's hard to find a place big enough for seven people. And so hospitals for um, visiting doctors, nurses, um, people coming to visit family who are sick. So um, hus uh, hospitals, universities, airports. So it's not a vacation centric. It doesn't have to be a vacation centric industry. Now, the point that we're at now, it's like, ah, we kind of want a place in Hawaii. Let's go get an Airbnb there. So when we go, we have a place to go, you know, or whatever it is. So you can get there, but I don't recommend starting that at that location, at, that, at those types of location. And that's one of the reasons we've been able to stay over 80% occupied during coronavirus is because we're not a vacation industry. Some of my friends that are have vacation industries, they're really, really struggling right now. Mm. Um, so back to your question of 10 years from now. Well, first off, in any industry, I think there is a huge movement. When I look at my parents, my parents were in a level of you get a job, you get a good stable job, and you just hang in there and grow and move up the corporate yeah. ladder. But that's yeah. not what life is anymore. And you know what I'm saying? And in 10 years from now, it's even going to be 
leaving that even more. And so I think that's why it's so important that, uh, that people stop dreaming and start doing because that's where life is going in 10 years. And you don't want to be left behind of not following your passions. In this day and age, and definitely in 10 years from now, it's going to be okay for you to be able to align your passions with the way, way you earn money. Your lifestyle. Like that's going to be yeah. like a must. Yeah. yeah. That it's, Personal you, and work That you live that merge. intentional lifestyle. Yes. Yes. To have that merging and alignment of those. And so I, I, that would be my biggest thing, whether it's in real estate or not. Um, I think so many different um, industries have been affected by this. But no matter what industry you're in, making sure that you find joy in the way that you bring money. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that could be corporate America. That could be working for someone else. I don't want you to think that you're listening to me and saying, in fact, one time I went and spoke at somewhere and they knew I was coming and, and, and she came up to me afterwards and was like, I love you. After the last time I heard you, heard you speak, she had heard me speak a few months earlier. She's like, I went and I left my job the next week. And it was, I, I did it. And I was like, oh, can you get your job back? Like what's going on? Like, no, 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 no. So I don't want you to that I'm saying money is like, providing is not important. Let me just go voyage as a millennial or whatever it is, right? But no, like be smart about it, but don't be afraid to chase your dreams and do what you need to do to make your dreams part of the way that you make money and find, you know, it's part of the story. Yeah. It's definitely part of your story. Yeah. So that 20 years from now, I think that people just like what you're saying, I think that they're still going to be traveling. They're going to be working remotely, especially now. I mean, that's going to be a given uh, that people will do that. But there are also those that like the uh, being rooted, having a a home base. So the ability to use a home as a a place where you can kind of travel, it used to be that people would have timeshares, right? And it's, I guess Airbnb is a bit of a timeshare variation, just cooler name. Um, so, yeah, definitely. you know, it, it probably hasn't changed that much, just the name of it and a little bit about what it looks like. But I, I really think that it's going to be a much more trending industry and something that millennial and Gen Z will totally embrace. I yeah. really think and I that, think, go ahead. I think with, uh, sorry, um, I, you know, before coronavirus and I hope, I hope we get back to where this was, but I felt like so many more people were having that work from anywhere mentality um, of, uh, you know, whether you're a graphic designer or whatever, that that work from anywhere mentality of, yeah, you know what, I want to go spend the next six months in Spain and work from there or whatever it is. And Airbnb totally aligns with that. Like one of my friends that I just had on my podcast here recently, um, she has lived in seven different countries and she has five kids also. um, And they've lived in, um, Lumpur, they've lived in um, Dublin. Right now they live in Australia. And she, what you were talking about, she felt like it's been fun. We've traveled the world, but I wanted a home base. And so they came back to the States and bought a house just to have a home base. They lived in it for three weeks and then they moved again, but they just like knowing they have a house somewhere. So I teased her because she, you know, that's her only Airbnb right now, but she's like, but I want, I didn't want to get a one year renter in there because what if I want to come home in two months? Like what if I I want that grounding? And so being able to be an Airbnb host provides that as an option. 
Yeah, I definitely see that. And I really think that that's going to continue, like how people can rent out their garage if you need a place for storage. I mean, uh, people are learning how to live, I think, a minimal lifestyle because of that, minimalist for sure. Yeah. Um, tiny houses yeah. are popular. You know, you can live anywhere and just, just really taking what you need, not everything that you think you want. You know, it's just stuff. And if we leave the stuff yeah. behind, we're focusing on the experience and the experience is who we're with and where we are. Anyway, okay, yes. so what would a typical yes. day look like for an intern to work with you in your business? Oh, I love that. And I have loved my interns. When I was flipping houses, I had interns. Um, with Airbnbs, I've had interns. Um, and the, the answer is like so many different things. Um, and my interns have done anything from help me set up Airbnbs and like sometimes they get some not fun work of like, or when I am flipping houses, they have to help me. A lot of the houses we flipped were nasty, really, oh, really nasty clean quarter houses that we had to clean out. And so I would have my interns help me with the clean outs, but they were memorable. And because I like to work side by side on that, because I don't want my interns getting injured or anything like that, um, or at least with a member of my team. Um, so it goes anything from like grunt, like yucky work like that, mm -hmm. but then also, um, you know, using, I've had them create commercials for me for my speaking business and also commercials for Airbnbs. Um, and, but then also doing graphic design work for my podcast right. or um, uh, creating new maps and interactive, like adding QR codes and different things so that when you arrive in the Airbnb, they can QR code to know where the closest uh, restaurant is and yep. our re recommendations and using their awesome technological brain of all the great ways that you can easily instead of because you know with Airbnb guests they want to know where are the best restaurants where's the closest grocery store you know and so just creating ways to make that easier for our guests um, uh, but then also I've had my interns um, I don't know. I've, uh, I've had some great interns over the years. Um, in fact, one intern, my very first intern, actually she stayed with us for five years as, as a, an employee, even as she moved around, cause she was still going to school and her husband was still going to school. So she was our virtual intern for a long time. Um, and she was awesome. I use a lot of also virtual assistants um, based overseas, based locally. And so um, there's a lot of research in, um, what houses are currently for rent and having them actually um, coordinate and pitch to landlords um, wanting us to pick up a new Airbnb. So there's a whole, whole bunch of different things that, uh, you know, I, a I lot like of roles. having a mini me to help yeah. out. So a lot of different yeah. roles. It sounds like there's a, a lot of uh, diversity in the um, job responsibilities, but also uh, it can be a very fun environment too. Nothing's the same. The diversity, uh, it's always different because you deal with different people, you deal with different environments, different homes, but the thing that's always the same are the, the tasks, the checklist that you have to do with each one of those. And I think that can be quite a bit of fun. So uh, best mentoring yeah. advice you received yeah. or mentoring advice that you would pass on to someone else? Ooh. Um. Well, you've been a wealth of, of a wealth of information, so I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's going to be like live your best life. I would think that. 
you know, but um, why not me? I think that's like um, your, your biggest takeaway. Why, why not me? Um, but I would say, well, there's so many, there's so many different things. Why not you? Like, um, oh gosh, I, I, I don't know. That's, that's so hard. Um, one thing that I say all the time is you have to take ownership of your time before you can take control of your life. So, um, don't sit and, and it ties directly back to the, why not me, right. Of don't right. sit and be like, Oh my gosh, I wish I could do that. Like, okay. I'll share that story because I've just been, sorry, I've been talking and storing. I hope that's okay. Um, I'm one of six kids and each of us, six kids are very, very different. Um, and I was always the athlete, um, of the sisters. All my sisters were cheerleaders, but we were, they were still different in different ways, but I was kind of an introvert, honestly, um, and, and the athlete, right? Um, my oldest sister is the opposite. She would, she, I don't think she's ever gone for a run in her life. Like she, that sounds like torture to her. Um, and, um, but she is the most bubbly outgoing, energetic person ever. Um, and I was the quietest of the six kids, but she's always been so personable and everybody just loves and wants to be around her. Well, it was a few years ago that I went into a grocery store with her and I felt like I was in a grocery store with Beyonce. Like everybody knew her and like, as we would go through the produce section, she's like, Hey Bob, how are those bananas? And like every <laughs> single aisle, like people who like, and, and we're in like a big, like, it's not like a small town that people like know each other. And I'm like, what is going on right now? I was so confused. And I thought to myself, oh, I wish I could be like that. And I immediately like snapped out of it. Maybe it's because I've been drinking the why not me Kool-Aid so much and the brainwashing, whatever you want to call it. But it like came to me of why can't you be? Why can't you be? Instead I'm, I'm finding that thinking, really. Oh, she is so fun. I'm finding that really hard to believe that you are not cut from the same cloth, quite frankly, because this is not how I see you at all. You sound exactly like your sister. Well, it's definitely taken some some growth and some um, learning about myself and how to handle my how to handle and foster my introvertness, um, but then figure out how I can also be follow my passions to be an extrovert. And the more I learn about it, I actually feel like I'm what's called an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person. And so I just have to learn how to manage that. And if you mm. if you are thinking those same things of I think I'm an introvert, but I I don't know, maybe look into HSPs because I um there's some great research out there about HSPs. Um, but and so in that moment I was like, oh my gosh. Like what my little conscience, maybe it was the Lord, I don't know, who just like swatted that at my face of why can't you be like that? And you know what I noticed is she didn't know their names, but she was reading their name tags. And yeah. it was like this honest, like, oh my gosh, you totally can be that person. And so I tested it. And the next time I went to the grocery store, I did the same thing. I was like, Bob, so good to see you. Hey, have a great day, Susan. Like, and they like lit up like, oh my gosh, somebody knows my name. Of course they know they yeah. have a name tag, but it was just like this personable thing. And I think it was a connection in our life that we're like, oh, I wish. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's connecting think, with another like, person. Oh, I wish. Yeah. And to be able to think that that isn't just that, that could be anything that could be, oh, she's so much, you know, <laughs> or like some people like 
this isn't my because obviously I just embraced the mommy frizzy hair. Um, but like when I first started, I was like, I could never be a public speaker because my hair is too frizzy. Like when you look at public speakers, it looks like they stepped straight out of like stage makeup or something. I can never be a public speaker. Okay. That's, that's because they pay lots of money to have extensions or they pay a lot more than my suave professional, like my grocery store brand shampoo and conditioner. If it's really important to you to have fancy hair, maybe you spend some money on it and make that path. You know what I mean? So whatever mm -hmm. it is that you really could do it and don't be afraid to take ownership of your time so that you can have control of your life and do the things you want to do. Well, with that note, um, how can our listeners uh, find you? What's your website? Any of your social channels? An email you might want to share? Yes, we are updating our website right now. It should be launching here in the next week. It's Why Not Me Academy. Why Not Me Academy dot com. Um, uh, the the uh, Airbnb course is Why Not Me Airbnb dot com. Why not me, airbnb.com. But really, I've gotten really into Instagram and I post everything I do there from my podcast to my speaking gigs to my everything. So follow me at melanihawk.com, M-E-I-L-A-N-I hawk.com. Oh, Melani Hawk on Instagram. And um, yeah, so hopefully I'd love to see you on Instagram. Very nice. Well, um, we're just wrapping up our show. And what would be the shout out or shout outs? You can have a couple of them that you would like to send out there. Who do you want to send love to? Oh, I love that. I love that. And I should say, if you guys are all, all and because you guys are interns and you're starting out your career, if you're at all interested in getting into Airbnbs, reach out to me, Melani at whynotmeairbnb.com. And I'd be happy to send you some freebies of different tools you can use to get started. Um, maybe a discount code if you're interested in like the full course or whatever, but I'd love to help you get started in this journey also. Um, but my shout outs, um, I would say because this is an intern podcast, um, I have about 35 nieces and nephews and um, that's a lot. one of my nieces was <laughs> living her dream at Disney World college program when coronavirus shut down Disney World. And so my shout out is to my sweet niece, Dixie, who was so sad the day that they got, they like, they didn't think, well, at least Disney World will keep going. Nope. Even no. when Disney World shut down and had to close out their awesome internship program. So that's yep. my shout out. Yep. Okay. Well, that is really good. My shout out goes to all of our listeners that follow our show and um, also to my own team. I have uh, several people. I have a game team. I have the radio team. Then I have the software team. So shout outs to all of those people. And then also to you, Milani. Thank you for being the guest for us today. Thank anyway, you for having me on, guys. So uh, anybody listening here now, you can find us at info at internpursuit.tech. Our phone number is 321-422-2166. Look for us on all of those great social channels and remember those podcast channels. Please like and share and leave us some comments and reviews. We love those things. So as we close out the show, we want to thank you for listening today. Mm -hmm.